Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you do not have a Bible, there should be some pew Bibles in front of you that you can turn there. Romans chapter 8. While you're turning to Romans 8, I'm going to go ahead and give you a refresher, a reminder a little bit of where we've been in the book of Romans. If you're a guest, uh, you may not know this, but we like to generally work through books of the Bible and go through them verse by verse. We have taken a a small break from that uh, with Easter and Palm Sunday and a few other things. But now we're getting back into the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome. And part of what we have seen throughout the book in chapter 1 was Paul was saying that he thanks God for the gospel and he's not ashamed of the gospel because he knows that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That word power is like dynamite. It's the dynamite of God for people to come to faith. But at the end of chapter 1, he gets into, and really from chapters 1 through 3, what we're going to see there, what we saw there, was this idea of showing us where we really are at. Every human being that has ever existed under the wrath of God because of our sin. We are sinners by nature and choice. It's not that we uh, sin and thus we're a sinner. It's that even in our inside being, we are sinners and thus we sin. So he takes three chapters to unpack that for us because we don't really believe it, generally. Most people, seriously, most people, if you go and ask them, do you think you're a pretty good person? Most people say, yeah, pretty good person. The Bible would say, apart from Christ, you're not. The Bible would say that apart from Christ, no, you're not a good person. And all that your works that you do are as filthy rags before a holy God. Then he gets towards the end of chapter 3 and gets into chapter 4. Well, then what hope do we have? And he gets into how righteousness comes through faith in Christ. That we can actually receive the righteousness of Jesus. He's the only one perfect. The only one who kept the law perfectly. And we receive that through faith. And he takes away our sin. He then goes on to explain in detail in chapter 4, using Abraham as an example, of how if anyone in the Old Testament, if anyone would say, oh man, who, who in the Old Testament really probably had enough good works to be saved? People would say, ah, maybe Abraham. Nope. Even Abraham was justified by faith. In chapter 5, he explains that this peace comes with God through faith, known as something called justification, being made right before a holy God. He goes on to say that everybody fell, every human fell because we are in Adam, but all those who trust in Christ can have life because of one act of obedience of Jesus, his death on the cross. In chapter 6, he got into a little bit more about how we are slaves, not to the law anymore as Christians, but slaves to righteousness. And then in chapter 7, we work through where there was this, this, this work of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit has come inside of those who are followers of Jesus. And we're not under the law, but we're now under grace and we're to walk and live by the new way, the new way of the Spirit. So we had a little short excursion looking at the Holy Spirit and then coming back. And some of you really identified with the end of chapter 7 where the Apostle Paul says, man, there is this war going on inside of me all the time. I have a new heart, 
I have the Spirit of God living inside of me. I have new affections. And I want to please God with my mind, but man, there's something in my flesh that I keep going back to sin. And that's an encouraging thing. Why? Because if Paul's going to say that, guess what? That means that battle inside of you is actually normal. It's normal for a Christian to battle sin. Here's the problem. If you say, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't really have to battle sin. You messed up. You are messed up in your thinking. Either one, you have an improper understanding of what sin is, or you're not taking time to ask God to search you, but most likely you do not have the Spirit of God because He convicts you and shows you through the Word where your sin is at. And so the encouragement is we are, we are justified and we are in Christ as we put our faith in Him. And that's our position but we have this life that we're living, and that's called sanctification, looking more and more like Jesus. And on that road, how many of you would say, amen, it is a bumpy road sometimes? Amen. It is a bumpy road. But the point is, you're heading that direction until one day Jesus comes or you die, and you go to be with him, and you're glorified, and you're away from even the presence of sin. And so what he says, he ends chapter 7, and it's beautiful. Listen to, listen to what he says. He ends chapter 7. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's what he says. That's how he, he starts to end chapter 7, but then he answers it. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Talking about that battle, which goes into chapter 8. And that's what we're going to read now. I'm going to read the first four verses. I'm going to read the first eight verses, but we're actually going to work through the first four verses today. Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 1. Remember what he just said at the end of 7. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Before we work through verses 1 through 4, I want to point out to you that verse 8 there, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is exactly why if somebody thinks that they are apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from being a Christian, that they can do some sort of good works and tip that scale to do more good works than bad, this is exactly why that's not possible. Because they're still in the flesh, and so they cannot please God in any way. It's not possible. There is verse 9, which we're going to get into this more next week, but verse 9 then says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. 
if in fact the Spirit of God dwells within you. So there's a sense here that the Apostle Paul is talking about a state that we're in as Christians. Either you have the Spirit or you do not. And you either walk with the Spirit or you do not. Now we also know that there's that, that state of being there, but we also know that as Christians in our daily lives, we have times that we're uh, repenting of sin, we're in the Word, we're praying, and we're walking in step with God's Spirit. And then there's times that we're in sin and we don't really want to repent and we didn't eat and we're grumpy. So we blame it on that we didn't eat instead of that sin is still in our flesh. And we're not walking in step with God's Spirit. There's that aspect of being in the Spirit. But Paul seems to be speaking a little bit more about this position of Christians. This position of Christians being in the Spirit and the Spirit being in us. Let's work through verses 1 through 4 today and see what God might have for us. Hopefully you have the notes you'll want to follow along. I don't know if I'll actually go through them or not, but you'll have them. You can take them home and look through them. Coming off of chapter 7, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ does. And with my mind, I serve the, law, serve the law of God, but in my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Paul then says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. He's going back to chapter 7 and saying that those who have been released from law and sin, there's no condemnation for you. Real quick, give me some feedback. Just, just words that pop in your mind. I just want words that pop in your mind. When you hear the word condemnation, what pops in your mind? Judgment? Or is that punishment. Good. Indictment. Good. Guilty. Good. Condemnation. Good. Temptation. Okay. What else? Condemnation. You're condemned, right? Somebody comes to you and says, you're condemned. Shame. Nice. Hopelessness. Did I hear that? Absolutely. Was it? Sin. Sin. Bound. Bound. Let that seek in. Suffering. Suffering. Guilty. Guilty. Betrayal. Betrayal. Death. Death. Fear. Fear. Devious. Christian, I got some news for you this morning. None of that applies to you. <laughs> Whoa! But there is therefore now no condemnation. Well, great! Let's all go praise God. We'll run through the streets. This is awesome. No condemnation. Everybody, no condemnation for anybody. Oh, wait. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, it's not just no condemnation and that's it. That's what the world really wants. I can do whatever I want and there's no condemnation because you know why God's love. The problem is a misunderstanding of the holiness of God. See, condemnation, all these things that you said are tied into that. And so, to be, to be condemned, oh, you're going to pay for that. You're going to pay. But if we were to remove all the laws, just remove the laws, well, then nobody would be condemned. So why doesn't God just do that? 
He's loving. Why don't you just remove all of his laws and then it's not a big deal. Then nobody's condemned. The problem is he's holy and he's just. How many of you have ever seen in your life somebody get away with something that you know that they did? You ever seen that? They, they got away with it. And there is something inside of us that when somebody clearly gets away with it, that we go, that's not right. That's part of being made in the image of God. That's not right. Now, if it's us, we really want that though, right? <laughs> well, that's where we're, that'd be great. If God were to simply say, you know what? No condemnation for anybody. Then God is not just. But his holiness demands justice. And that's why the cross is so remarkable. Because that's where you see, for those who are in Christ, the love and the holiness of God come together. And for those who are in Christ, those who have trusted, put their faith in Jesus' death on the cross as a sacrificial death in your place for your sins. And that God would pour out his wrath on the Son. And it should have been you, but it was him instead. That's why Jesus is so remarkable. That he would live that perfect life, even born of a virgin, which is different. But that he would live that perfect life on your behalf. Obeying the law perfectly, which you couldn't do. Dies for you, but death couldn't hold him. You know why? Sinless. Sinless. Death couldn't hold him. Three days later, what happens? He rose. Defeating sin, Satan, and death, and rose for our justification. Oh yeah, all that, all that bad stuff we were talking about with condemnation. That's beautiful that you don't have to have that. That's wonderful, but you have to be in Christ. You have to re receive his righteousness through faith and not your own doing. And he takes away your sin. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, for the, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death, as we talked about multiple times in chapter 7 in particular, but we addressed it a couple different times in Romans. The law of sin and death, here's what's so terrible in one sense about God's law in the sense of how it condemns us. Watch what happens. Listen to what James 2, 9 through 11 says. It's on your notes there. Whoever keeps the whole law, listen to this, the whole law, but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. You get that? One point. Imagine if you had a job and you had a checklist of like 50 things that you were supposed to do and you did 49 of those things and you did one thing wrong and they said you're fired. Man, no, what? what? His holiness. God's holiness. Why? Why? Verse 11 in James 2 still. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Here's what he's saying. The point of why that's the case is it's because the one who said it. The one who set the law is God. So when you break even a little bit of it, you're guilty of all of it. Because it's against him and his holiness. And the problem is he's an eternal God. 
He's eternal. So it's not like you can have this idea, which sometimes uh, Roman Catholics will, will teach, that there's purgatory, that you could go, and then maybe I could pay off my sins over time. You know how long eternity is? Forever. So you can't go to purgatory to pay off your sins because it's against a holy and forever God. You've sinned against Him. He's infinite, holy, and forever. So you can't go pay it off. Jesus has to pay it. So you break one, you break it all. Listen to what Galatians then says. Paul writes to those in the church of Galatia. Galatians 3.10 on your notes. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. You think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, and I'm gonna, I, think, I think I can do some good works and God will love me. Curse. For it is written, curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Every single part. If you're here and you're not a Christian today, that's your choice. Do not leave here without making that choice. I'll obey every single part of the law perfectly and never mess up and go to hell and take the wrath of God myself. Option A. Oh, praise God, there's an option B. I'll confess that I cannot keep his law. I'll confess that I need a Savior. I'll confess that I trust in Jesus, that he who kept the law perfectly would give me his righteousness and take away my sin. Option B, and you're with him forever. Don't leave here without making that choice. And we would really encourage you to make this choice today. So for those who are in Christ, we're now under the law of the Spirit. What does the law of the Spirit bring? Grace, peace, hope. Basically the opposite of all that stuff that you guys said earlier. Verse 3, look at this. Been set free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for God, God has done Notice your name's not there. You don't do it. God does it. For God has done what the law, again, there's nothing wrong with the law itself. The law is perfect and good because it comes from God. Here's the problem. You and me and our sinful nature. We talked about this in Romans 7. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Our weak flesh, we couldn't obey the law. So God has to step in and do something for us. What does He do? By sending His own Son. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. You see the, the word condemned here? Instead of us being condemned, Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. Why does it have to be in the flesh? Why couldn't Jesus just come spiritually? Why does He actually take on human flesh to come? The sacrifice has to be human because we're human. Someone has to obey God's law. Somebody has to fulfill it perfectly. That's why you can't kill an animal and get your sins forgiven. It doesn't work that way. Part of why Jesus comes in the flesh is to die in the flesh, to condemn sin in the flesh for us. In addition, when he takes on this human flesh, truly God, truly man, the book of Hebrews will tell you a whole bunch about how you can connect with him. He understands. He understands temptation. He suffered. He knows what it means to be tired. 
He knows those things. But here in particular, he comes to condemn sin in the flesh by obeying the law perfectly and taking on the wrath of God for us. He condemns sin in the flesh. Now, verse 4 is going to continue that thought. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who walk according to the Spirit. Those who have the Spirit of God inside of them. But did you catch what it said there? Blew me away when I was reading through this. In order that the righteous requirement of the law, perfection, might be fulfilled in us. Don't miss that. The identity that we have as Christians of being in Christ is so close that it's saying that what Christ fulfilled applies to us. To the degree that he says it in such a way that it's fulfilled in us. Not that we kept it. How many of you have kept the law perfectly? Show of hands. Get your hands down. (laughs) Don't even fake. Like, don't even go for a head scratch at that moment. That's when you got to be here. But Paul would word it that way because it's so much yours. For those who are in Christ, the righteousness of Christ is really yours. Like not this thing that's out there, it's actually yours through faith. Let me show you something that might help if I remembered it. So this is you. You're like, what am I? (laughs) Just a little, well actually there's a little picture of a guy on here, but that's Minecraft, that's a kid's game, we don't want to do that part. But just, this is you, let's say. Before Jesus, you have nothing in you that's good. Nothing. What's incredible is what this means. Is that you are given God's spirit, Jesus' spirit to live inside of you. For how long? Forever. Forever. Not, not for a little bit. You have Jesus' Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, living inside of you forever. Now watch this. You also are in Christ. You're in Christ. And God's Spirit, Christ's Spirit is inside of you forever. Do you want to know why I titled this sermon no condemnation, no separation. Romans chapter 8 begins with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know how Romans 8 ends? Right towards the end here? Listen. Just listen. Starting in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or viruses or nakedness 
or danger or the sword meaning death for it is written for your sake we are being killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am sure that listen folks neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No condemnation, no separation. You are in Christ and you have His Spirit inside of you. Is that not awesome? Four things to do. Never hide from God or his church. Let me say that again for some of you. Never hide from God and his church. You know who hides? Guilty people hide. Right? Guilty people hide. Those who are full of shame hide. Wait a minute. No condemnation. What does that mean? Guilt taken away. Shame taken away. Don't hide from God and his church. When you have stuff going on, don't run the other direction, which we tend to do. Run to his word. Run to him in prayer. Ask the spirit to help you. Run to his people. Second thing, no condemnation, no separation. Live with boldness and confidence that God is for you. Do you get that? If you're in Christ, God is for you, not against you. He's for you. And when the trials come and the difficulties come, guess what? He's using that for you to make you look more like his son. No doom, no despair, no hopelessness. Third thing, you need to realize that if the eternal son would love you enough to come and die for you, the father would decree this plan and the spirit would apply this to your life, you need to realize that your worth is in Christ and in nothing else. Your worth is in Christ and no one else. It doesn't matter what they think about you. It matters what God says about you. Last, you got to tell other people about this. Right? I mean, I mean come on, we got to go tell some people about this amazing thing. If, if, if everyone was guilty and we were all going to go to prison and we found out, or the death penalty, and we found out that there was a way to not be condemned, we'd be like, hey, just so you know, there's a way to not die forever. we got to tell some people. Do we not? Yeah, we do. 